and gentlemen, boys and girls, step right up to the Bread and Circuses podcast, where your hosts talk about anything they damn well please. So strap in while Rome burns and enjoy the clown show. Welcome back again, Bread and Circuses Podcast. I'm Rooster, here with Crow. Hello. How you doing, Crow? Uh, fair to middling. You're doing, you're doing better than our sound right now? Yeah, we're having some issues. Hopefully the uh, post-production, can co- our team can clear that up. <laughs> and uh, full disclosure, it's my mic cord. Yeah. So we'll blame it on me. So this will, uh, this will be cleared up for the next podcast. So we have shit to talk about. Yeah. Lots and lots. Where do you want to start? Let's talk about... I don't want to start heavy. What's what's the lightest thing we can can start with? The lightest thing? Yeah. Um, okay, remember how I said uh the left is going to eat itself and they just they're going to get their own first? Yeah. So, University of Wisconsin, which the main campus is at Madison. They uh it's about one of the wokest campuses on earth. I mean, they are lefty central. They're uh hard party and lefties. They have a giant boulder on campus, a 70-ton boulder that a bunch of black students want to have removed now because this boulder, which was pulled out of a hillside in 1925 when they were building some stuff, is now um, is now parked on campus. They moved it to a different spot, and it's got a name, a nickname, that uh, some black students on campus don't like. And so they think that they need to remove it because it's racist. Yeah, I've heard about this. It's the nigger rock, right? Nigger head rock. Is it really? Nigger head rock. I was making a joke there. No, that's what it's called. <laughs> I, had to, I had to search three different stories to find what they actually call that's it. That's amazing. Like, what do they actually call it? So it's, it's named after some Chamberlain guy, Walter Chamberlain or something like that. But it's referred to slang-wise as the nigger head rock. So... My point is, go you know, go ahead and remove it. It's seventy tons, so good luck. But they're gonna if they move it or whatever. It's been on campus for a hundred years, um, and you know, given the time they put in, I can understand how it got a name like that or something. Yeah, it's named after a weed, basically, right? Yeah. Like I, there's I there's a, a reed that has uh, it's a long stalk and then it's got like a fuzzy top to it. I think that's what they're named. That's okay. the colloquial well, name for them. Regardless, uh, it's like the, it's like Brazil nuts. Yeah. You know what those are called? Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, it's going to happen every time until I get a new laptop. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, the um, these people want it removed, and you're reading the comments, and everybody's like, oh, it's about time. And somebody said, rightly so, okay, so when we get rid of the rock, any racism you're feeling will magically disappear. It will go away. Yeah. People will treat people differently. Same group of students wants to get rid of the Abraham Lincoln statue on campus. Well, he was a raging racist. Well, he was. But who cares? He did free a lot of black people yeah. too. So, I warts and all. Our I country, know. our country is awesome, and it's it's got its issues and its problems. It's still a great country. Well, I saw one of Rogan's podcasts where he had um, uh, who's the one the former model. Now she's a comedian. Well, oh, only in name because she's not really that funny. Well, uh, but then this other comedian was on there with her too, um, and uh, she, they were talking about Twitter, and they said you have to be perfect now because you basically have this transcript of 
the last however many years of everything you said and people just go dig through it yeah. and find all the stuff and and the other comedian um said she goes i i didn't know who she was uh but she said really you can't you can't have said some stupid stuff that's how we learn as people we say things and then go oh okay that was stupid and so you get shot down for this and rogan said he goes i think twitter is going to be the blockbuster of social media soon yeah he goes he's right you have all these idiots on there who don't want to talk to other people and don't want to exchange ideas they just want to shout each other down yeah so no he's right i did mention one other in uh before we talked here one other uh rogan podcast i was watching he had i can't remember the guys i think it's david parkman reporter on it sounds right uh and they were talking about the rise of anti-semitism and this guy's opinion was it started it and rogan asked and i think this is what he's very good at you know he said is there more of it or is it just more out there and uh parkman said well he believes it's more out there there's not necessarily more of it and rogan said when do you think that started he goes january 2017 and he goes i interviewed richard spencer and richard spencer said that you know, they feel more free based on what Trump said. And Rogan said specifically what? He goes, well, he said because, you know, Mexicans are... Dog whistles. Yeah, that's exactly the term he used. He said he went after Mexicans about being rapists and thieves. And again, that's not exactly what he said. And he said, oh, but there's some fine people there. And then uh, his comment about shithole countries, which I'm sorry, there are a lot of shithole countries in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and so Richard Parkman's point was that Richard Spencer says... We kind of get what he's saying. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Doesn't bring up the fact at all that that Spencer is basically a lefty. Yeah. That's his, Spencer's own point of view is that he believes government's bad, but you need to have the right people in place running everything. He's basically a white supremacist socialist. Right. He hated Reagan. He was like, you know, Reagan was too inclusive, you know. So he doesn't bring any of that stuff up. So his point was that they feel free to talk more. And so they were talking about free speech and should somebody be able to say something, and they brought up the word Jews. And Parkin goes, well, it depends on how you use it. And Rogan goes, we're kind of getting kind of sticky here. Depending, He goes, well, let me give you a great example. And, of course, he uses two cartoonish examples. If you're in a room full of uh, Jews at a bar mitzvah and one of them makes a Jewish joke, oh, you dumb Jew kind of thing, he goes, that's not racist. But if Richard Spencer was there and he said, ah, it's a room full of Jews, he goes, that's racist. Mm. He should have just said Hebes. <laughs> oh, it's, can you, okay, first of or, all. Or prefaced it with dirty. Yeah. First of all, <laughs> Richard Spencer's not going to be in that room. No. So let's not bring that and up. And whenever he says Jew, there's going to be some connotation to it. I know. It's going to be, in his mind, dirty Jews. He's going to have some adjective in there. Yeah. You know? Even if he doesn't say it, he's going to be thinking it. That's okay, though. But my point was... If he's respectful, that's all that matters. It, it, you can't police somebody's thought or their heart. Well, they think they can. I know. They, they really do. But again, I don't think the guy understands because he doesn't want to. And he says he gets heat from both sides. But that the left is the side that has the problem with, with race. With racism. And... Yeah, I watched this Netflix uh, series. It's really good called High Score because I wanted to watch something just sort of. Yeah, I just saw it advertised. It looked interesting. It's it's really interesting. If you grew up in the 80s and played video games, especially at arcades or early on consoles or anything like that, it, it'll be interesting because there's tons of stuff. Did you ever watch that King of Kong? 
No. It's a documentary about the two guys that were competing for the high score of of uh, Kong. Well, I didn't watch it because I figured it would be racist. Oh, it was. It's really good. So yeah, if you said, like this documentary, you'll, I'm sure you'll like King of Kong. They said they said Kong, which we all know is reference to it's a dog gorilla. whistle. Yeah. So you know, I use that term multiple times during this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, this this documentary is really good, and then they brought up this. Um, it's six episodes. You blow through it fast. They brought up this guy. Um, I forget his name right offhand because I didn't know it until yesterday when I watched it. But he he created Channel F, which was the first console. He worked for a company that said, hey, what would be great is if we can interchange these games. So Channel F was his console. They came to him and they said, you know, you're really good at this. Let's set you up in your garage because that's where he did a lot of his puttering and stuff. Said, if you're more comfortable here, let's set it up here and you can you can just work and do whatever you want. Um and obviously he was in the office and everything. So they're there with his two kids, his son and his daughter, and his son's son, so his grandson. And they're showing him pictures of, you know, their papa who uh, died in 2011. So this kid is, he's obviously less than nine, so he wouldn't have met him. Or if he was around there, he wouldn't have remembered him. And they were talking about how this guy created this console and he was the first one to make it, but then Nintendo sort of swooped in and took over the market because they were, you know, right on the heels of making theirs and they had more budget and everything. And and they said, so, you know, his name is kind of, is it Lou Larson? Lost to history because, uh, because, you know, everybody thinks of the NES. Right. Well, and then the, the son goes, yeah, I wonder what it's like, you know, what it was like for him being a six foot six black man working at these companies when there are no other, you know, people of color and all that stuff there. First of all, I don't even know if there weren't people of color, predominantly white, you know, predominantly male, totally get it. But he's like, I wonder what it was like for him. And I'm thinking, I have no idea because you're not giving me any evidence either way of what it was like. But everybody else who works at these companies was just like, man, it was so cool. It was the freest thinking thing you ever did. And the guy from Atari who started Atari, whose name I also can't remember right offhand, said, he goes, I could get any engineer in that area to come work for me because I told them, I don't care when you come in. I don't care what you wear. I don't care what music you listen to. Do whatever. Just get your work done on time. And he goes, and then I had him. And so given that, I'm guessing this guy's work environment was probably pretty fucking cool. Yeah, and that's the problem with modern times and the uh, the victim ideology that gets taught it's pernicious it's insidious it's it's even people don't know oh should i should i should i had another adjective you should have thrown in ubiquitous ubiquitous (laughs) they don't even know that it's infecting them that they've got that infection of victim ideology and it colors everything that that they talk about i saw what you did there yeah so when they say, hey, what do you think it was like for him to work there? Instead of going, must have been pretty fucking awesome. He had everything he wanted. He was with a bunch of gamers and geeks and nerds that loved that shit. And he was like on the cutting edge back then. It must have been pretty sweet. No, the first thought is like, well, as a six foot six black man, um, he must have been, it must have been really hard for him. He didn't have other people that looked like him around. Yeah, despite the fact that by their own narrative, it sounds like his bosses recognized that he was the guy for this and gave him that job. Yeah, they're like, "This is right." And it wasn't even, and it wasn't even uh, something you could attribute to um, uh, tokenism or 
uh, affirmative action. Right. It was this guy has a vision. He has an idea. He has talent. That's we the guy. We want him. Yeah. It wasn't it had anything to do with color, which is how it should be. But Mike, if they'd have said he always had problems at work, he even if they'd have just said he never felt like he fit in or he complained about. Well, he work, was always on colored people time. <laughs> I think everyone. I think everyone in IT. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but my my point is, it sounds like this guy probably had a great work environment. But his yeah. kids couldn't even say, yeah, dad complained a lot about work or here's where he felt slighted or whatever. They've got no evidence I to it I just have whatsoever. to imagine there had to be some hardship for him based on his race. Yeah. Have you ever once, any place you worked, looked around and thought, man, I just, I don't look like these people. No, because I had the privilege of working in environments where everybody would look like me. Really? Yeah. Have you? Yeah, they all had brown eyes and brown hair, and they were all like under six feet tall. And even though they wanted to be six feet tall, so they wore heels. They wore lifts? Yeah. And uh, and th- that's what everybody looked like um, when I was working. So I had nobody – there was no blonde hair, blue-eyed people working with me at all. And if I think they would have been, I'd have been resentful because they probably would have got better like placement than me. I know I hate you. <laughs> but do you see what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yes, and you can say, hey, you've worked in areas that are predominantly white. Uh, for the most of my career, I have. But early in my career working in restaurants and stuff, not predominantly white. Right. No. But I've, ne- I've never concerned myself even when I wasn't the majority of – whether or not these other people looked like me. Yeah, but Rooster, look, all you had to do was go home to the Hamptons and you'd have been surrounded by people like you. Yeah. So exactly. you had your escape valve, buddy. Yeah, I did. So, and they, people of color that are in environments, they're constantly surrounded by whiteness. Yeah. And white privilege and white culture. Yeah. Pinky's out. <laughs> so I, I just, I thought. This was a really cool documentary, and you had to slide that in there for five minutes. Why yeah. did you do that? You well, know? what was this on? What uh, what streaming Netflix. service? Okay, well, let's keep the theme for Netflix. I wasn't going to bring. I didn't even have this in our show notes. Or, but did um, Netflix is coming out with a new movie they promote promoting called Cuties? Oh my god! I and, thought this was a joke. Yeah, and so what it was was or is um, a French film, and the woman who directed it is from a Muslim background, no longer Muslim, I believe. And supposedly, the context is that she made this film kind of as a um, critique of, you know, Muslim culture and of Western culture. It was a critique of both cultures. And, okay, I get it. But it's the, the let's get to what this is about. The The controversy is that Netflix promoted this movie they're coming out with or they're putting on their service called Cuties. And the promotional poster or the thumbnail was five 11-year-old girls wearing sexualized outfits. Yeah, they're kind of costume Like booty shorts. And, yeah, like and, cheerleader outfits. Yeah, of. but it, and knee pads and in provocative poses. And the synopsis, and I don't have it in front of me, but it basically said – uh, this young girl is becomes fascinated with a twerking twerking dance club or dance uh, group, and um, uh, in in defiance of her parents or something like that. 
So people saw the poster and saw it's highly sexualized. It had all the girls in these. Basically, one was bent over um, in downward dog position. You know, if you, if you know um, yoga, yoga, and then another girl. It's the one yoga pose every guy knows. Yeah, and then <laughs> another girl is like with her hands on her knees and her butts in art back arched, butt out, basically in the twerk. twerk position. And then the main character on the front squatting down with her legs spread and her hands on her knees in a typical like stripper pose. Um, and then the other white girl doing some sort of pose. So it's a very diverse crew. I'm of a little girls. offended at how you just dismiss the white girl like that. Yeah, yeah. She wasn't. She she was the least offensive posed. Okay. Um, but it was a very diverse crew. But anyways, the synopsis about the twerking thing uh, was pretty pretty bad to begin with because you're basically marketing this to, to pedos, pedophiles. Yeah. I mean that's what this is, and it's it's M rated, mature rated. So these girls that were acting in it are actually 11 years old. These girls that are playing 11-year-olds are 11 years old. And so they can't even watch this movie, If and, but they're acting in it. And so Netflix got the immediate uh, clapback for this, and then they changed the synopsis, and they added – they got rid of the twerking word. So And they added – and I, I should bring it up, but I don't have time here, and I'm lazy um, – they added that this girl is rebelling against conservative values of her parents. They added that to the synopsis. And then they got rid of the twerking aspect and saying that she's exploring her femininity. But they didn't say sexuality. But that's what they mean. So um, it's it's just pedo heaven is what it is. And the you, you listen to the director, the woman, and you, you can kind of understand, you know what, I, I get... I get that it might actually not be like something she intended to highlight sexualization of girls for the enjoyment of pedophiles, but that's that's the end result. But that so listening and Netflix to what, should not have picked this up to put it on their streaming service. But based on what she said, you felt better about watching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. Ha- I you don't didn't feel int- as dirty. I don't intend to watch it, and even actually, even seeing the poster. Made me feel like creepy. I'm like, Ugh, I don't want to see this. Look, I don't, I can't, I honestly cannot remember the last time I was offended. Mm-hmm. You know, things don't generally offend me. I mean, they can piss me off, but I don't go, Ugh, you know, fan myself and be like, I can't believe you said that kind of thing. Um, I, if I say I can't believe you said that, it's usually stupid. It's not like. Right. I, but I, I saw this, if people follow the Facebook page. They'll see that I put a lot of stuff on there from like Operation Butthurt memes and all that. And they had something about it on there. And I thought they were trolling. I thought this was like, I'm like, yeah, sure. Documentary or a show about 11-year-old girls twerking. And then people were like, yeah, I can't believe Netflix did this. And I was like, are, are they punking these people? No, it's real. Yeah. That's disgusting. Yeah, you can't make it up. And l- like I said, the the woman might legitimately be having made this movie based on her experience, you know, growing up in a Muslim culture and then her experience transitioning to a Western culture and seeing the problems in Western culture where there is a hypersexualization going on and, and younger and younger girls are, are it's okay for them to be hypersexualized. And I get that critique, but you also have to understand that there is a problem in Hollywood in America, especially, and that we know of that there is a problem with, the hypersexualization sexualization of kids and on YouTube and all that, and that there's a big market of these pervs that want to see this stuff, and you can't make it available available to them. Yeah, you know, um, 
And also there's a facet of this big tech and, and Netflix is, is part of it that try to normalize it, try to normalize this, this, um, you know, they call it, instead of calling it pedophiles, they call them MA, call them maps, MAPs, minor attracted persons. Oh my God. And they're trying to basically say, well, they're not, when you say pedophile, you're like, well, they, they're interested in sexually assaulting children. Well, they don't call it assault. But it's got a negative connotation. So when you say minor attracted person, it does, doesn't mean that you've acted upon that. It just means that your sexuality is that you're attracted to, to children. And But you haven't, you're not a bad person because you haven't acted upon it. Well, what was funny is before the show, you and I were going through stories and I pointed out that whole thing about um, um, the story that Kellyanne Conway's daughter. Uh, who in this she, was, she was a spokesperson for Trump. Kellyanne Conway, yeah. She's a... What is it? What's the word they use? An advisor. Right. And her husband, I guess, hates Trump. He's just going on and on about him all the time. Um, so I don't know how those two stay married, but whatever. Their daughter, who's 15 years old, hates them both and is suing for emancipation. I showed you the picture because it came up on my feed and yeah. we're both like, wow, she's really stunning. attractive. Yeah. yeah, she's stunning. And then we, we both went, you said it out loud. You're like, wait, we better. What, how old is she? How old is she? Because that's. <laughs> And then I looked at it, and I'm like, ooh, she's 15. And oh, I'm my like, God. Oh, God, no, that's not good. No. I didn't so, even know that till just now. Yeah, it's because it's, I feel kind of gross. Yeah. You know, if you, if you told me she was 18, I'd still be like, you know, she's young, but she's a, she's an attractive woman There's a difference at 15, between be, and it makes me go, that's gross. Yeah, there's a difference between like being, that. like, lecherous and being kind of – but there's a difference between being a, a pedophile who – is attracted to children, basically prepubescent children, than being an adult that's attracted to a younger woman who's developed as a woman. It's still creepy, but it's not like it's not like evil creepy. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I have I have a close friend whose uh, son swam for high school and is now a college swimmer, and we were talking about because my kid swims about uh, you know how great swimming is for kids. The kind of shape they're in. And they were talking about as your kid gets older and you're at these swim meets and both parents were saying this, you see these kids of the opposite sex who are 16, 17, sometimes even 15, who are in fantastic shape. And part of you goes, wow, that is a good looking kid. And then you go, I feel really awkward being yeah. at this meet with these. I mean, my my uh, son's swim team, they have... They had, uh, you know, kids who were sophomores, juniors, seniors, boys swim team. Well, I'm sure that there are a lot of girls in that school who are super attracted to. And if any mom was sitting there going, wow, it's a good looking kid, they'd probably feel creepy. Just like I would. At and you a, should. Just like I, right. I would at a girl's swim meet, you know? I mean. But here's the thing. You can, as, a, as an adult, you can appreciate beauty. Um, you can appreciate aesthetic, things that are aesthetically pleasing. There, there's actually, there's nothing wrong with that. So you go, that's a good looking whatever, you know, car, you know, or that's a good looking dog or that's a good looking kid. It's not that I want to fuck that car. You know what I'm talking about? No, I mean the car and the dog and all that stuff is kind of different, but. Uh, but I'm getting at that you can appreciate the beauty without being a creep. Right. But I think a normal person should have that thing that kicks in their head and goes, but it's weird. Yeah. You know? I mean, but that's why the 
pedophiles want to normalize it. They go, well, I mean, it's no different than being a 44-year-old man and being attracted to a 24-year-old girl. Hey, I was born this way. But but that's what they're saying. That that age difference doesn't make a difference to them. They're like, well, just because she's uh, post-pubescent doesn't mean um, the feelings aren't real. I'm like, you know what? Tell me that in person. See what happens to you. Just because I constantly have homicidal thoughts doesn't make me dangerous. You know, I haven't it killed. Probably anybody. does make you I dangerous. Haven't, I haven't killed anybody. Yeah. I mean, I fantasize about it all the time, but I haven't done it, so we're okay. Speaking of, I don't have any problems. I, I did. T- I did confide in you one of my recent um, power fantasies I've been having lately about rolling up on a on a protest in a van. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I I had this was not it wasn't weird. Should I go me. into it? Do you want to? I might as well at this point. Okay, People are, I want. I've been kind of fantasizing. It's like when you're a little kid and you fantasize about having superpowers and beating up bad guys, right? So you, I was been fantasizing about rolling up in Portland in a van, and then you know saying, "Get the fuck out of the way! I got to get to work." <laughs> and then they roll up, they get, they surround you, go "Fuck you!" and start beating on the car and saying, "I'm gonna pull you out of this fucking car." And then the side and the back opens up, and you've got all these. T- all these like fucking Navy SEAL dudes yeah. swarming out and just taking them out. I'm like, that's a fantasy I've been having. I'm sorry. That's my fa- – it makes me smile thinking about that. <laughs> You're a sick person. I know. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You mentioned that. I think I told this years ago. I used to have that same dream everybody has of like – you know, someone like breaking into your house and you're like, uh, or, you're, or they're attacking you and you're trying to hit them and you just can't stop them. Like you throw these little oh, yeah. sort of punches. Or, or, or mine is you have a gun and for some reason the trigger yeah. won't pull. Whatever. You can't yeah. defend yourself. Yeah. It's like a sort of low level nightmare kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I noticed that after I had kids, if I had the same dream. So in my mind, in the first case before kids, the people were trying to hurt me and I couldn't do anything about it in the dream. I noticed that I have them every once in a while where someone's like breaking into the house, you know, like whether it's criminals or zombies or monsters or whatever. And they're like coming up the steps and you've got a baseball bat or something. And the thing in the dream is they must be coming for my kids. I hit them and they like explode. Ooh. It's like you have these super powerful dreams. That's fun. It's weird. It must be just something in your head about what you're protecting. Yeah. You, know? you, you need to be able to protect them. Yeah. So whatever um, anxiety you have about not being able to protect them, yeah. that dream saying, nope. Nope, you've got this. <laughs> you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's your subconscious like saying, you know, you're fine. You're going to be able to do this when, when time comes. If you need to protect your kids, you will be able to do it. You know what's funny is I'll have that. I mean, I always try and have situational awareness when I go to places like where's the closest exit. Mm-hmm. You know, if I start hearing commotion, or, you know, where do I want to get to, things like right. that. And, uh, you know, because my kids are school age and I go to their school sometimes, or I used to when you were allowed to go to school. Um I would, I mean, you run through these little scenarios in your head going, okay, what would happen if someone came into the school and started shooting right now? And who knows what you would do and hope to God I never find out. And maybe I'd just cower under a desk, but honest to God, it feels like I would go toward whatever it was. Yeah. And that may be total bullshit, but I, there's, it doesn't feel, it's not that sort of like, oh, chill, those motherfuckers. No, no. It's, I just feel like I would be like. Shit, I got to do something. There's kids yeah. in here. Yep. You know? Whereas if I was like at the state fair or something and somebody did that, I'd be like, we got to get the fuck out of here. You know? Yeah. So it it's like a difference of being in a confined space. Well, that's why the whole like being brave is not a lack of fear. It's acting in spite of having fear. Yeah. 
you know? And so if you don't have fear of a situation, it doesn't make you brave. It makes you either suicidal or fucking stupid. <laughs> Pretty much. Right? Yeah. But if you have that fear and you act anyway, that's bravery, you know? Well, sometimes bravery is just the loss of fear through circumstance. Having to, just knowing you have to act or you, Yeah. I mean, you hear yeah. about this in war all the time. It's like these guys were like, I swore I was going to die. So what was I going to do? You know, it's like in their mind, they're dead. It's over. Well, I mean, I guess you could argue that that's not bravery then. Well, but yeah, but I I remember hearing this in documentaries about World War II, like landing on Normandy. And these guys are throwing up in the boats and they're just terrified yeah. and everything. And some of them are like, I'm going to get off of here. I'm going to walk off this thing. I'm going to die. Yeah. So I'm just going to do what I'm supposed to do and do it until I get shot. But I'm going to get shot. It's inevitable. I, yeah, and there's so an element of bravery. People will be that. like, "That's brave," and they're like, "I, I wasn't brave. I was terrified yeah. the entire time." There, there's an element of bravery, to, bravery to that, but it's a different degree. But I think, I think bravery is something you assign someone else. I don't think bravery is never something, call yourself brave. Yeah. yeah, I, I don't think you would, and I think that's because people who appear brave or courageous, I think generally don't view it that way. They either view yeah, it because like, because when you're terrified, and somebody says that was brave, you go, "I didn't feel brave." But if you acted, even though you felt terrified, that's brave. <laughs> yeah. Know? So. Yeah. I saved a guy's life once. Um, was drowning. And, hey, uh, I did the same thing. Yeah. So, I don't know how. Because you can't swim. <laughs> the same guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we, we saved this guy from drowning. And you know what I was the entire time? I was just fucking annoyed. <laughs> I was like, why did I have to do this? No, why this was This guy he, should know what he's why doing. Why was he there? He was drunk. It was, uh, you know, out on the lake. Couldn't swim, really. Had never swam in anything but a pool. He drank half a distillery and decided to swim. And the boat drifts away from him because you're not, you're not familiar with that. Like, in a pool, side of the pool doesn't drift away from you. I mean, even, even lakes generally have some small current to them. And uh, he panicked. The guy who was driving the boat, who was the only guy who drives the boat or swim, by the way, jumps in to save him. Well, he's tired now. Now they're both going to... And we went by on our boat at that time. We pulled these guys out. And the whole time I'm thinking, first of all, the guy, the first guy looked dead to me. Hmm. I mean, he looked dead. I'm like, this fucker's going to die in my boat. You know, that <laughs> was, I was looking at it like, what are you doing here? And actually we got to shore and the first guy was, thanks for saving me and my buddy. And I, I chewed him out. I was like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. You, know, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be letting your friend swim. And he goes, he's like, yeah, I know. And all that. And I, I don't know where that came from. But I was not, there wasn't a second during that where I was like, oh my God, you know, this is, it was just like this very practical part of my brain took over. Yeah. But then about a half an hour later, I was just sitting down. It was all over and everything and filled out a police report and all that. And I just started almost shaking uncontrollably. Hmm. Like just, you know how like you get when you get the flu and you just feel weak and shaky and all that. And that's what happened to me. It was really weird. Did you jump in the water? No. Um, my friend jumped in, which I also thought was stupid. <laughs> we go by these people and he just jumps right in. I'm like, don't, cause the, my boat was still moving. Yeah. I'd cut the power, but you're coasting. And we just got done water skiing. So I threw the, the rope to him and he said, he remembers telling me that how stupid he thought it was that he got in and he got to this guy who we first thought was one guy, but we didn't realize he was holding the other. Wow. Guy. So he grabs this other guy. So he, if you guys wouldn't have been there. Yeah. He was dead. Yeah. Uh, Both of them. Maybe the second guy, but the first guy for sure. Right. Because as soon as my buddy came up to him, the guy let go of him, he sank. Mm -hmm. He said, because he didn't have any air in his lungs anymore. 
So we get him up into the boat, but then the other guy started to panic, and he was like, oh, my God, and he started to grab onto my buddy. My buddy's like, shit, I got this guy who's freaking out, and I'm holding on to this guy who's not light, by the way. And he says he looked up and he saw the rope like arcing toward him that I threw him. He's like, nice. oh, thank God. You know, but yeah. Yeah, my my incident had nothing to do with bravery because I, I was never in any danger. Mm-hmm. So, but. And neither uh, was I in mine. Yeah, I was at a pool and I was with uh, friends and family. And I noticed that I was on the edge of the pool and I noticed that there was like two parents and they were like talking to each other and like they were like chest deep water and there was a kid behind them they weren't paying attention to under the water and he was like flailing around under the water and then you could see him grabbing his top of his head his hair and trying to like pulling on his hair and i'm like what is going on holy shit this kid's drowning and he doesn't know what to do He's like at the bottom of the pool. He can't swim to the top for some reason. And he's like freaking out and he's pulling on his hair. And I'm like, the kid's drowning. So I jump in the pool and I, and I swim over there and I, you know, I'm a terrible swimmer, but I dog paddled over there yeah. and uh, went down and picked him up and like dragged him further towards the, uh, the, the less deep end where his parents were. And I, and I, as soon as I pick him up, he's like blah, sputtering and like spitting out water and like, you know, half sobbing. And I and I go, hey, is this your kid? And they're like, yeah. I go, he just about drowned. They're like, oh, thanks. What? That's what they do. And they 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 grab him. I go, all right. And I walk away and I go over to my brother and I I go, that kid was drowning. He's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, well, good thing I was watching. Your brother's like, well, he's a black kid, so I was just. Gonna- <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, that wasn't brave or anything. That was just um, um, situational awareness is what that is. Yeah. And and to know. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I need to intervene here, and, but I was in no danger, so I can't think of off the top of my head an incident where I was in actual danger that I helped somebody. Um, off the top of my head, maybe I did, but it, I didn't look at it that way. Like you said, maybe it's that thing where you don't even know that you're doing something brave until you, you know, until somebody points it out. You know what I think bravery really is, though: righteously calling out shit posters on Facebook, <laughs> tapping away from your keyboard. <laughs> You, stunning and brave you unwoke son of a bitch stunning you and horrible brave. human being yeah. where's your mask <laughs> that's that's super brave that's brave yeah do you want to do some uh yes three thousand questions about me okay we're doing these in order okay okay oh i wish i didn't check off the last one we did it's been so long okay wait a second i got i, I got a question about these questions okay is this a good idea for you to be answering these why is that? Well, because you're a single guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, you're just like giving it all away here. So anybody who like. I know. Most people. They're going to find out some shit most about people, If I start dating somebody and they and they go, oh, what are you doing? I go, oh, yeah, whatever. And then, oh, I also do a podcast. They go, oh, what's it called? Blah, blah, blah. Bread and circuses. You should listen. They'd be like, okay. And then either they won't and say they did, or they'll listen to the very latest one, and that's it. There's nobody going to go back through the backlog of episodes to know, I really want to know this person. What if they did? It would be then, uh, then, Or you were like sitting with them on like your third date, and they went, oh, that was just like the time, you, and you were like, what? That would feel weird. <laughs> Wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be, that'd be like stalking. <laughs> yeah, it'd be that crazy. Point. Um, so so yeah. what I'm saying is like every third one, you got to lie. All right. <laughs> Okay, I think this is the new one. If you were to die and come back as a person or a thing, what would it be? Uh, 
I don't know. So you're so they're considering what um, reincarnation I, kind of. I'd want to come back as me. No, no, no! You can't do that. That's not part of the question. That's not the stipulation here. You can't be you. You have to come back in the future. Let's say you get hit by a bus tomorrow, but you're reincarnated. What if you get to choose? If if uh, you know the Dalai Lama goes, you get to choose what you get to be. Oh God! It would it would kill me knowing my kids didn't have their dad. So I don't care what it would be. I'd be like somebody that could be in their life. That would almost be hard too. I don't know. That's I don't know if I can answer that one. Um, if I could come back as a person or a thing, so I, I don't, I guess I don't understand the question because I'm, you can't choose a person that's already alive, right? Well, maybe you could, maybe you could say I could come back as the president, you know, what yeah. would I do? You know, well, I'm dead. I might as well do some good. I'd like to come back as a mighty oak tree. Yeah. Until somebody chops it down. Yeah. I don't. I, I actually, the more I think about it, the more I think it's a stupid question. Yeah, I do too. So, moving on. Uh, where would you most like to live, Rooster? It's changing on a daily basis. The moon? <laughs> no. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I don't know. I keep going further and further out, and the moon's <laughs> starting to look really enticing. <laughs> well, that's where we're going to put all our trash and our criminals. Oh, uh, okay. You know, we're just going to shoot it up there. I I don't know. I think somewhere, I mean, I don't live in a small town now, but I don't live in a major city. Well, it also depends on how much disposable income you have in order to like get places. So if you love, I'd love to live like in out of the, out of the way corner of the world, like in the middle of Idaho where there's nothing around and have a compound, that'd be great. But if you had no money in order to get anywhere, then that get, that'd become a very lonely life. I'd love to be in a situation where I had enough money to sort of semi-retire. Yeah. You know, and be able to. But where? But, well, I'm getting to that. And But like, where, Rooster? I'm getting there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, I don't, I'm not a big gardener or stuff, but I'd love to be able to do that. I mean, I see those books that are like, hey, how to sustain yourself. Just hire on people. A, how to sustain yourself on an acre kind of thing yeah. or whatever. I've seen that, the, the things where they go, if you want your compound, you want to be self-sustaining, this is the amount of property you have to have. Yeah. And amount, this is the kind of crops you have to have and the I mean, kind of livestock. I don't want to work that hard. Right. You know, I don't want to be a prepper. Yeah. But I kind of like the idea of like being a, uh, you know, like uh, like the National Guard is to the Army. I want to be like the prepper guard to the preppers. You know? uh, <laughs> I want to be like, I'm probably not going to survive the apocalypse, but I'm going to be the last ones they kill. <laughs> and so... I don't know. I mean, I some place that's uh, you know, I don't want to be one of these guys who lives uh, five miles outside of a town of 150 people, but you know, some place that's in a town of I don't know five six thousand. Like a nice little white picket fence town, basically yeah. that has uh, that has the amenities that make it so so like if you want something or need something, you don't have to sit there and wait two weeks to get it. Well, with Amazon, you can get whatever you want within some, two days. Some place I can uh, go outside with my dog. And not worry about having him on a leash or if yeah. the car is going to hit him kind of thing. But you also like to be able to get together with a group of people and have fun, like yeah. watch a sporting event or something, you know, like Little League or something, right? Yeah. So I don't know. Some town, um, probably not as harsh weather as Minnesota, you know, to Colorado, Kansas, kind of places like that, sort of middle of the country. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm thinking Idaho. Yeah. Well, Idaho's full of your people. So. You say Idaho? Idaho. <laughs> I think I you said, said White Ho. I said Well Idaho. <laughs> you said White Ho. No, that's what you call it. <laughs> um, but you know, someplace that's a uh, forty-five 
minutes to an hour outside of a large city. Yeah, and then if you had the money, you'd have your own like private jet or whatever, and you can go wherever you want, whenever you want. I always think of people who have private jets, and I think of this thing I heard a long time. You want to hear the three rules to uh, to how to save money? It's the three Fs. You ever heard this rule? Mm. Mark Cuban even talked about it. As oh, much as I'm love that. The, love that fucking guy. As much guy. as I'm totally I off, hope he's president one day. I'm off the Mark Cuban train. I'll admit it. I was wrong. <laughs> I was very wrong. Um, I'm glad you admit it. But <laughs> I had heard this once before, years before, but they were talking about, you know, don't have a private jet because they don't, they don't make sense. They're, they're economically wasteful. But the, the three Fs are if it floats, flies, or fucks. Rent it. Ooh, I like that. I like it. Yeah. Um, all right. Last one. What is your most treasured possession? We were talking a little bit about getting gifts before this, before we started the podcast. You're like, I don't want gifts. I don't. Because you get what you want. Don't buy me stuff. But you have to have a treasure, like a treasure, but everybody has. I probably got a couple of them, but can we just get back to the gift thing quick? Mm -hmm. Don't buy me shit. I hate that. You know, because every, everybody's like, they, they're like, well, what do you want? You're like, uh, nothing. And they go. And when I want something, I buy it. They're like, well, you must want something. Nope, don't. Happy. Doing fine. You know, it's like they can't buy you the stuff you really want anyway. And I'm not talking about expense. It's like if you just say, I just want to be happy. Like, well, I don't know what to get you. Yeah, exactly. You know, so uh, just don't buy me stuff. Here's a, here's a kind of a, a, a tip for people if you're like, like. Me and Rooster, we end up – if we want something, we buy it ourselves. We don't, like, ask somebody to buy it for us. Um, but there are certain things we end up – like, we want, but they're not – they're silly. And they're like, I'm not going to waste money on this stupid thing. I'd love to have it, but it's stupid, right? Some knickknack or something dumb. I have the perfect example. And, okay, when we get to that. But what you should do is you should get an Amazon wish list and put that nonsense $2 item or whatever it is, like, this nonsense item on there. And just keep putting those dumb little things that you're like, oh, I'd love to have that, but that's a stupid waste of money. I'm not going to buy that. Put it on your Amazon wish list. And when it comes time for your birthday or Christmas and people want to know what to get, you go, go to my Amazon wish list. I've got a whole bunch of shit on there. Just get me one of those things. And and they'd be happy to do that for you. And it'd be meaningful because it's something you want, but you wouldn't necessarily buy yourself. Do that. Well, and do you know why that doesn't work for people with too much estrogen? And I'm not talking about I'm not talking about just women because there are some women who don't fall in this category, and some men who do. Um, they want to get you that gift that nobody thought of, that that'll just get you, and you'll open up and you'll be like, "Oh my god, this is the greatest gift ever." They don't want to buy you something; they want to get that reaction yeah. out of the thing they gave you. Yeah. Okay, so the gift isn't about you; it's about them. Right. You know, and so it's like. Cut it out. Well, I have to admit, I used to be that guy. I mean, I, w I prided myself on getting the like perfect gift for everybody. And so much so that when I when I would, and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe you got this gift for me. I really wanted this and nobody else. And you're like, yeah, and you're all proud of yourself. And then right? your testicles descended. Yeah. But then the next year, you know, you have to do it again, right? Yeah. And you have to do it for multiple people. And I was getting to the point where I was going grocery sh – or not grocery <laughs> – Christmas shopping – and I was like getting completely stressed out. I got shingles because I was so stressed out trying to get the perfect gift for everybody. And finally, I gave up on it. I'm like, yeah, you're not even getting a fucking card. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to get something dumb for me and I don't care. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you did that for me one time. You got me that uh, Boba Fett helmet. It was in Target years ago. Yeah. And I'm like, 
damn, this thing looks cool. I'm a but huge, I'm, yeah, you're never gonna buy I'm something. I'm a big like Boba that. Fett fan. And it's like thirty five bucks. I'm like, I'm not gonna buy that because my wife's just gonna be like, why? Yeah. I'm like, because I'll put it on a shelf and it'll look cool. Um, and you got me a Christmas present. I open it up and it's the Boba Fett helmet. I'm like, yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's funny when my wife and I were first dating. We were at a, a convention in Las Vegas, and I walked into a Sharper Image store, and they had one of those full-size, life-size sculptures that was Boba Fett. I was like, holy shit, they've got a Boba Fett. And she goes, they've got a what? And I walked over and showed the trailer. It was like $6,000. You're never going to buy yourself that yeah. thing. But if I won the lottery, I knew the first thing I was going to buy. Yeah. And uh, Sharper Image is kind of out of business, at least as far as stores go now. And I'm like, God, there's got to be one of those around there. Yeah, yeah. And I looked, and they're like $10,000 now. Holy but, shit. But again, if I win the lottery, I'm tracking down one of those things. Well, I guess I never answered what my most prized possession is. Neither did I. <laughs> but Do you have ahead. one? I, I'm thinking about it. So um, I have a friend who's an incredible artist, um, does oils and watercolors. Well, I mean, you can just say it. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, like fantastic artist. And go on. <laughs> um, I have a painting of his, and it's it's just a, a watercolor, and it's really just aesthetically pleasing to me. Once again, you're welcome. And if that ended up like getting burned up in a fire or getting stolen, I'd be crushed. I'd be really upset about it. So I guess that's probably my most prized possession. Or if you lost it when you moved. Right. Where is it right now? And I'm thinking. Where did I put it? <laughs> uh, I, again, my, I probably have stuff that's related to kids, but just off the top of my head, I, my dad and I went to a baseball game once, and he caught a foul ball, and I have that ball. Mm. And we went to dozens of games when I was a kid. I was obsessed with baseball, and we spent tons of time together at baseball fields. So it was that memory, but also what that memory represents. I would be crushed to lose that. Ball. Okay. So that's that. you think that's the prize possession? If I, I mean, if I had to think of one. I mean, I've thought before of my house burning down and all the shit I'd lose. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, I can get that at Target. I can get that at Target. You know, that. I have a shitload of comics, and uh, I don't know what they're worth. Um, but, man, I guess if they if they were stolen or if they got burned in a fire, it would it would, it would would make me feel really, <laughs> yeah. well, really those bad. Are, those are tough to replace. Yeah, it's tough to replace, and it's not the monetary aspect of it. It's just like the years and years of collecting them and enjoying them. Yeah. Like, like a pre, It's not like collecting baseball cards in order to sell them or save them for retail or resale. It's about like appreciating the experience of having that comic and reading it and what it meant to you. And that's one of the reasons I've got a great vocabulary, I think, is because of comic books. Um, and it's just... Is that why you use dastardly a lot? Dastardly. You know, I, I learned uh, the difference between um, stalactite and stalagmite from my comic book. Okay. Stalactites. Stalactites from the, go from the ceiling. Stalagmites yeah. go from the ground. I always heard. I always thought the stalactites are from the top. Mm. You know? Yeah. That's how you do it. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> do you, you um, still have your signed copy of Squirrel Girl, right, though? Yeah. <laughs> Squirrel. You know what? The worst comic ever. We're not going to get into that. As a character, she's actually a fun character. When she first was created, she's created as a parody, basically. Um, the So there's a superhero team called the Great Lake Avengers. I thought we weren't getting into this. The Great Lake Avengers. And it was funny. It was all kind of like dumb characters. And Squirrel Girl was actually kind of a fun little character. And then the SJWs got involved and completely fucking retarded her. Literally. And then she, she beat up like Captain Marvel. Yeah, now the unbeatable Squirrel Girl can do no wrong and she can uh, kill Galactus and stuff. It's just dumb. And she's all about the science! <laughs> and they draw her like a mongoloid. So. Oh, well. Big uh, buck teeth. Weird. Yeah. 
All right. Can we talk about the DNC? Uh, I I do want to talk about the DNC, but can we talk about what happened to locally to, to our um, – Oh, God, yeah. The Dave Kroll – David Kroll, right? Is it Dave? Um, Bob uh, Kroll. Bob, Bob Kroll. Kroll. Uh, Bob Kroll is the head Minneapolis of the, head of the police, uh, police union yep. um, president. And, you know, so obviously with George Floyd and all that shit going on, the anti-police sentiment, um, the BLM protesters are rapidly anti-police. And Bob Kroll is, you know, pro-police, obviously, because he's the uh, the union president yep. for the police department. Um, so what they did is they went to Hugo, which is a suburb of Minneapolis. About an hour north. Yeah, so it's a it's a farther drive north. It's a nice nice suburb, um, and they got together and they protest, protested outside his house, which I'm getting really fucking pissed off about going to like people like Tucker Carlson's home, and and you know po- politicians' home and protesting. Um, I don't consider that a protest. I consider that intimidation. Right. And it's it's just the same. These people showed up at his house in his neighborhood, and they had pinatas that were made to look like Bob Kroll and his wife, and they beat them. Yeah, on his yard. That they might as well have put a cross in his yard and lit it on fire. But Nikiva Levy, Nikima Levy Armstrong, who is like one of the big SJWs, you know, race baiting people out here, yeah. she said uh, it's just paper. That's, just That's all it is. No, no, nothing represents anything unless we say it does. So if the KKK burned a cross in her yard to be like, it's just wood. It's just wood. It's just wood. It's just wood. Yeah. It's just fucking retarded. It's it's infuriating. So anyways, um, they were there and uh, there was a DFL or a, a Democrat that just won his primary. John Thompson. Yeah. John Thompson for Congress. He was an activist who was good friends with uh, Philando Castillo. Mm-hmm. And I've I've seen him at some protests and thought he made some sense about some things, not the systematic racism part, but because the Flano Castile shooting was bad. It yeah, was, it was it was a cop. It was a rookie cop that panicked. overreacted. Yep, yeah. and panicked. On the other hand, there's blame to go around. Yes, exactly. All right. Um, so he shows up here at this protest, and um. Uh, I mean, let's just play this. Okay. All right. I'm going to plug this computer in since that's going to make some feedback here. Hopefully I can clean this up. <laughs> I doubt it. All right. Here we go. So this is some woman coming up and uh, and and uh, introducing um, Thompson. Yeah. I think it's John Thompson. John. <laughs> so with that, I'm going to call up our next speaker. He doesn't know that he's speaking, but recently, like um, Marquis said, he won. His primary election. I think this is the Kimberly Armstrong. I think. Let's give it up for John Thompson. Oh man. Hey, I was standing over here burning up because I was telling Marquis somebody got to tell these white people out here that there was a public hanging in Duluth, Minnesota, and there was an audience, and and, and, and the audience, and the audience had grandkids, and there they go over there. You know, come on back out with your Blue Lives Matter shirt. And I mean that. Let me tell you about Blue Lives Matter. All right? Because they didn't come out with Blue Lives Matter until we start saying Black Lives Matter. But unlike you, white man, you can unzip that fucking costume. I can't unzip this black skin I'm in. I'm a black man being terrorized by this fucking Klansman right here. We are terrorized by the Grand Wizard. Y'all got the Grand Wizard living in your goddamn neighborhood. So he's... 
getting riled up because partially because he wants to rile the crowd, but partially because the neighbors mm-hmm. of Bob Kroll are out there barbecuing yeah. while this is happening, going basically saying, fuck you, yep. these people. And he is worked up. and But he is, he is getting to the point where he's instigating violence. Is this wiling out? He's wiling out. Okay. Yep. So let's continue here. All the clan exists in Hugo, Minnesota, and it's right here. Don't run now. Don't run now, racist white people. I'm here. Oh, yeah, we pull up. We pull the fuck up. And we here. Come on over here with your Blue Lives Matter sign. Come over here with your blue eyes. What? No, Blue Lives Matter shirt. Oh, sorry. So right. what? here's my question. What if he had? What if the guy Yeah, come had? over here with your Blue Lives Matter shirt. What if he had? Yeah. What would John Thompson have done? Not a goddamn Nothing. thing. Not a fucking thing. He wouldn't have done a fucking thing. Bob Kroll was on the local radio show um, after this happened. He wasn't there. He was at a wedding or something. He was out of town. Yeah. Uh, but he, he saw it on social media. And uh, he said, this guy is always cordial when he sees him. He's like always respectful. Calls him Mr. Kroll. Yeah, always respectful, always cordial. But in front of this crowd, oh, shit, he was a tough fucking guy, wasn't he? And there was children here. There was there was people with children at this event, and he was swearing up a storm. And But that doesn't matter. There's there's nothing uncouth about that because it was real. It was his truth. His truth, Rooster. Well, I, I, seriously, what would, have, what would John Thompson have done if that guy he was saying that to come over here with the Blue Lives Matter shirt, if the guy walked over and said, okay, I'm here, here. I am. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah. He wouldn't have done anything. No. He would have so. kept probably swearing and cursing and, and looking like a damn fucking maniac. Well, in that interview with the local radio station, uh, Bob Kroll said, no, we knew about this. We knew it was coming. The neighbors knew it was coming. Um, but he had a bunch of... Other off-duty law enforcement say, hey, you want us to show up? They had uh, bikers for Trump say, mm-hmm. do you want us to show up there? And he was, he said, no, don't do that because here's what's going to happen. He goes, if anything happens, it's just going to prove the narrative that they want. Yeah. He goes, so just let them talk all they want. Yeah. Which, you know, is sort of the epitome of confidence. If that, like we said, if the guy with the Blue Lives Matter shirt walked over and, sa- and he said, come on over here and say that. And he walked over and said, okay, here I am. What are you going to do? Yeah. The guy wouldn't have had anything to do because he's expecting that his blackness is going to scare the white guy and the white guy's not going to do anything. Yeah, his his uh, his irrational hatred and rage um, is supposed to be, first of all, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to scare the white people because, you know, it's, it's all about race because he started out by talking about white people, white, 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 white. Yeah. Uh, it's all about race. So he's A, trying to scare white people. And B, trying to foment hate, racial hatred within the crowd of other people that aren't white or even white people that are, you know, um, on board with the, with the um, BLM agenda. And he's going to be a representative. Yeah. He's going to be in the... And people are saying, well, he apologized. Fuck you. No, he didn't. He did not apologize. Well, yes, he did. He actually said, I apologize. Motherfuckers, he apologized to the Democrats for looking bad. Yep. That's what he fucking did. He apologized for pointing out to everybody how the Democrats view race relations and view fucking black and white relations in, in, in America. He didn't apologize to Bob Kroll or his wife for being a fucking asshole. He apologized to Democrats for, for, for opening up the fucking door and saying, this is what we are. We're racial fucking hatred fomenters. Fuck you. Woo! Sorry. <laughs> no, you're not. 
No, I'm not. <laughs> you apologize to me for yelling. You're I'm not, sorry. Yeah. You're not apologizing to him for what you said. No, I'm, I'm sorry for you know I'll, I'll, for wilding out. Turn the cane down, man. Yeah, I should I should have backed away from the mic there. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's so stupid, and he's gonna get away with it. You know, he's gonna get away with it. Oh, uh, you want to play a little bit more of his speech? Might as well while sure. we're at it. All right, I just unplugged the. All right, here we go. Blue lives ain't shit. Blue lives ain't shit. He said, I meant to say that. So there's no apology for that. You right. I did. I won the primary election, and y'all can poke call me on this. I am going to the state capitol with this same fucking message that black people are tired of being killed in these fucking streets. And y'all Black people are tired of getting killed in these fucking streets. Who's killing the black people? Who's killing the black people? And who's killing the white people? Let's look at interracial fucking crime, asshole. Back up for that mic there, Crow. <laughs> Thank you. Who, who's killing people? Who, racially, racially motivated attacks and crimes. Who's killing who? Uh, if you say black people, that's hate speech. Yeah. Well, then I'm going to be dropping some hate speech on you. Because let's talk about anti-Semitism and attacks on Jews. Who, who does the majority of attacks on Jews? Trump. <laughs> Him and his dog whistling. Yeah. Yeah, it's him and his him and his uh, Jewish uh, son-in-law and his daughter yeah. who converted to Judaism. It's black people. Black people are majority of attackers against Jewish people. The black. Did you just call the president black? Yes, <laughs> blacks are the majority. When you look at uh, FBI statistics, and oh, we put these cute. and we put these on our FBI lies. Fuck you, rooster. <laughs> we put these on the. Uh, you're trying to get me all riled up again, and yeah, like I needed to. I need to back away from the mic. Do you, you want to go back about a minute and a half? You were. I don't need to wow you up. Uh, I'm just tired of it. I really am because. The thing is, I'm not saying that black people are predisposed to violence. I'm stop ra- winking racially pre- and, and stop crossing my fingers. Yeah, uh, I'm saying that culturally there there's a problem, and the problem is that um, there's a, a a culture of 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 aggression in the in black culture, and it's not like racially based; it's culturally based. So. It's if you're not a real man unless you're aggressive or unless you get some something over on somebody, and that if you start acting civilized, you're acting white. Why are you wearing a Black Lives Don't Matter T-shirt? <laughs> and so, so until that culture changes, and here's the thing about that: me and uh, Ro- I'm identifying as white today. So Rooster and I are not going to be able to change the the culture within black the black community it's going to have to come within it from within and people like uh brandon tatum um like candace owens uh kanye west even uh um thomas soul uh who else uh there's there thomas soul gave up he pretty much but he's old he yeah he's he's basically retired he goes i'm not gonna be here when all falls apart anyway um but there's plenty of black voices conservative voices that go this is not the community that that our community is 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 bad and needs to change from within. And until until that happens, it's going this is going to continue and it's, until you stop blaming whites and blaming whiteness like Oprah did and blaming white um power structures and uh white privilege, it's going to perpetuate and the democrats are going to use black people. But you have to you have to stop vilifying people who don't view themselves as racist, they don't care what color people are 
And then by saying, well, you say that, but that's not how you Well, that in itself is racist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can't win. We're all supposed to be treated the same except for when we want to be treated different. And if you don't play by those rules, then you're racist. But how is this this screed that he's giving right now not – how is this screed not racist that he's giving? Well, because he doesn't have the power. It's all about – yeah, that's it. Except he's going to be a representative in government. There's a fantastic video on YouTube of a kid talking to his uh, woke teacher about – and the kid doesn't look white. He looks – Hispanic or mixed or whatever. Yeah, he sounds like he's got a little bit of a Hispanic accent. Um, and the woke teacher is talking about how, you know, blacks are getting massacred on the streets. And he's like, that's not true. I, that's so going to be my kid at college. Yeah. God, he's like that at yeah, school. That's now. great. And and that that's what they need. But within the community, he needs to say, enough. We're not. And But that's why Candace Owens is so dangerous. And that's why they want to silence someone like her, you know, and Brandon Tatum, who's a former police officer. Who's pro Trump and 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 he said I grew up in that culture. I used to have grills, gold grills, and sag my pants. I was an asshole. And he goes, I woke up and realized this is not the way. And so it's not it's not racist to point that out and say that culture is shitty because you can change. You, yeah, it's it's not about your melanin content, you know that that makes you a good person or makes you civilized or makes you a productive member of society it's about your attitude and your outlook and that's based on your cultural how you're raised yeah so i i i just get tired of people saying hey you're racist why well you're white but i don't treat people differently well yeah but you're you're uh that's subconsciously why you're racist you're subconsciously racist well, let's do a little bit more of this. I mean, this is gold here. Let's play a little bit more of this. Feeling this shit. Listen when I tell y'all, the KKK ain't never left the state of Minnesota. As a matter of fact, we in Cranland right now. Now y'all run y'all coward ass in the damn garage. Come on out here and face up. White racist motherfuckers. So he's, there, there's video of this, and the video pans over to this garage where people are having a barbecue are grilling in their garage and there's a bunch of blonde haired girls and white guys that are blue lives matter shirts on and they're not antagonizing this guy they're just having well, their but they're party. wearing their blue lives yeah, matter yeah. Shirt, so, so he's pointing at them right now saying fuck you basically trying to intimidate the shit out of them how is this not how is this not harassment how is this not a crime they yeah, came to his house yeah in his neighborhood yeah and not only that is there's in portland there's um incidences of uh of them going around the the blm crowds the protesters quote unquote going around shining spotlights into windows of houses uh-huh. and saying white people white people these this is not your house you have you've taken these from us yes you've taken these these houses from this is uh what's the term for it uh appropriated uh, no no um Seized? Uh, gentrified. Oh. So you've gentrified these lands. You've kicked out white people. You made it more too too expensive for black people to live here, which is racist in itself. Because well, just because you're black doesn't mean you can't afford places to live. Fuck you. But anyways, so they're shining fucking spotlights at the middle of the night in people's windows, white people's windows, and going, hey, white people, fuck you. These houses belong to us. How was, how was that okay? How is that not a fucking crime? How is that not intimidation? It's like it's like a mob tactic, mob intimidation. Well, he's talking about he mentions the uh, lynchings in, in Duluth. People were hung in Duluth. It was a hundred years ago. 
And I bet you there's some white people involved in June 15th, in, in getting, I bet there were some white people that got lynched. Police arrest several uh, several young black men accused of raping a white woman that evening. Three of them, Elias Clayton, Elmer Jackson, Isaac McGee, uh, were taken to are taken from a jail by the mob and lynched. Okay, hold on a second. I want to know this legitimately. Did they do it? I don't know. But here's the thing. Let's look at the FBI statistics again. Modern day statistics. When we look at interracial crime, when it comes to rape. But my point is, we have to stop trying to tell people who were never alive when any of this happened. Right. There's nobody around who was at that. Nobody around who perpetrated that. Those people have been dead for a hundred plus years. Right. Right. It's, it's it's irrelevant. But what I'm saying is, let's say, what if it was true? What if the facts came out and it was it actually happened? But you, st- I mean, they still should not be lynched. No. But what if it was true that that. And they were lynched. Would that change anything? What do you mean? I still there, think there I are think. people, there are white men that have been lynched too in the past. Right. And they actually probably deserved, they well, probably committed the crimes they were being before, lynched the for. The first person who was lynched, the reason it's called lynching was he was a white Irish guy yeah. whose last name was Lynch. Yeah. The thing is, there are whites and blacks that were lynched and that actually per, uh, committed the crimes they were lynched for. Right. Money. Now, now in a, in a society that you want with laws, you you don't want that to happen. No, you want you, trials. Yeah, yeah. But my my point in this is, he's bringing this stuff up about you know these lynchings in Duluth. It was a hundred fucking years ago, and it wasn't just black people that were lynched. But he's talking about this specific case. Yeah. Yes, it was. But fuck you. Yeah, I know. But but you can well, talk fuck about you that too. <laughs> that specific case. And the horse you rode in on. Sir. <laughs> All right, we're going to continue here. Listen! 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 nobody going to sugarcoat racism? Wasn't that pretty about Bob Pro kicking that 15-year-old boy in his face? So why the fuck is we so peaceful in this raggedy-ass neighborhood? Why, why are we so peaceful in this raggedy-ass neighborhood? That, is that not fomenting violence? Is that not calling for violence, saying... He kicked that kid in the, in the face. Why are we so uh, peaceful in this raggedy-ass neighborhood? Get out there and fucking burn it down. That's what he's saying. Talk about fucking dog whistle. He did He did talk about burning down uh, burning down Hugo. Did he? Yeah. We'll, we'll continue. But that right there is saying, hey, why are we not burning this down? They deserve it. See, he has black protester privilege, which uh, means he can say this. I don't know if you guys know. But this is really pissing me off. I'm. It's hard to tell. I, I'm, I'm normally – here's what's funny about this. I mean, I'm sitting here and there's a – you know, people just generally don't get subtlety. So why don't you just bring it out? Well, here's what's funny is I usually get – Tell us, Crow. I what get, are you really I doing? get super worked up when I hear these stories. When I first see them, like I'll watch it at home on YouTube or I'll listen to it on the radio. And I'll be fucking screaming at the TV – or my radio just going off motherfuckers and this and that. And then we get to the podcast and I've like I've settled down a bit. I sound very reserved. You're still sitting here stroking your gun. <laughs> yeah. But today I, I think I've I've hit I've hit like the the peak of just of fucking bullshit and I can't handle it anymore. I'm just so fucking fed up with it. Well, that I keep getting angry. Like before I was able to be like, all right, 
the anger's over. Now let's talk about the issue and talk about what can be done. No, the anger is still there. And that's the thing is they're trying to do that to someone like me. Well, they're, that's they're, because, no, you're just an angry white guy. Anyway. Yeah, but that's what they want. That's the thing. The leftists, the Marxists, the Black Lives Matter group, they want people like me to go, fuck you and go out and do something about it. And then they can go, look, see, see. That's yeah. what they want. And the thing is, I can admit it's working. We came to his house and we said we were going to burn down his neighborhood and said they were in the KKK and we were telling everybody that we should do something about this ragged ass neighborhood. And the guy came out and hit me with something. Yeah. You know? But it, but it works. Can you believe this? But guy? it works. That's the thing. Well, I, I don't think it's working well enough. They yeah. might get it to happen in one or two places, but it's, it's not. Yeah, working. But, but I'm on edge. I'm, I'm literally on edge right now. Well, I mean, and I was saying this ahead of time over the mask thing. Yeah, even the mask thing I'm on edge for. The yeah. mask thing, when when it first started, you know, a month ago, when Minnesota put their mask uh, mandate into place, they said, you know, hey, you got to wear a mask. And, you know, I have an office building I work at, and the guy who has the building had put up a sign well before that saying, you got to wear a mask in the building. I didn't because, look, he can't make me. And... It's not helping unless you have an N95 that's fitted for you. It's Yes, it will cut down on it some, but I also know that I'm not showing any signs. And maybe I'm asymptomatic, but if you're worried about it, don't fucking go outside. Yeah. Just because you are worried and I'm not showing any symptoms doesn't mean I have to stay yeah. home. Okay. If, if, if you're in, uh, an invalid that has a lot of issues with your motor coordination, don't drive a fucking car. Yeah. So we've, we've gone on and on yeah. about all that stuff. And people say... You know, that just shows you don't care about other people. You're absolutely right. I don't. I, your safety is not my responsibility. Right. Okay? So stop making it that. It's Liberty yeah. is our responsibility. And those two things, safety and liberty, right now are diametrically opposed. Mm -hmm. So I'm willing to pass on some safety to keep my liberty. Absolutely. Every time. Okay? So I don't wear a mask. And people say, well, come on. It's easy. And I'm like, well, it's not, though. I mean, yeah, it's a simple thing to do, but I got to fucking remember when to have one all the time. I was at the gas station today, and for whatever reason, I put my card in, pulled out, it's a transaction canceled. So now you had to go in. After I put my zip code in. Yeah. I put your zip code in, it goes, transaction canceled. And I'm like, fuck. And it says, uh, see cashier. And I had taken my wife's truck to fill it with gas, and I didn't have a mask. I'm like, God damn it. So I drove to another gas station. Oh, wow. Because I didn't want to go to another pump. And I had to walk right in there. Yeah. I didn't, but anyway, so uh, mostly because I just didn't want to deal with the hassle. Yeah. Nick, Nick Searcy said something about that. He goes, if you don't believe that coronavirus is deadly, uh, like if you take coronavirus seriously, but you're not worried about dying because it's like 0.04% right. of the, the population. People, the people that be, be protected should be protected. Right. That's it. If you believe that it's serious, but you don't, but you wear, and you wear a mask because you don't want to get into it with strangers, you're a normal human being. Yeah. If you if you believe that coronavirus is deadly and you're wearing a mask to protect you, you're a fucking moron. So anyway, um, so I would come into the office building once the mandate went in place thinking, I know the guy who owns the building. I don't want to put him in a bad spot. I'll just wear it. And pretty soon you start seeing other people. You go to the, the restroom, which is just down the hall, and you're like, I'm not putting on a fucking mask to do that. And you run into other people in the building who don't have it on. You're like, yeah, this is ridiculous. And then you go to the point where you're like, I'm not wearing it into the building. I'm just not. I'm going into my own space. Someone said, also on Nick Searcy's page, he uh, reposted someone's Twitter that said, I put a mask on to walk 50 feet into a restaurant 
to sit down and take the mask off. It's one of the dumbest things I've ever done. And I've done some really dumb things. Um, and that's true. And so that's how I was treating it. And it was like, I have one with me in case anybody starts bitching. I can be like, I have it. I just didn't put it on. Now I'm to the point where I don't wear one. I, I don't carry it. On. I don't wear it into the building. I don't carry it with me. And I want someone to say something. Yeah. Because I just want to say, fuck off. Yeah. Well, I'm at, I'm, I've been at that point for a couple of weeks now. But my point is... I didn't get there by myself. No. I had help. Yeah. And that's what people are doing. And I'm sick and tired of the the gaggle of Karens who are like, you need to put a mask on. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you're con- if you're so concerned. Protect about, yourself. Then either protect yourself or don't go out. Yeah. And by the way, if you're staying home. And you're sending out for your groceries and your pizza and all that stuff. And you're like, but I stayed home. No, you just had somebody else go out and do it for you. And that person you put that might person very well. No, that might very well have coronavirus. But you might be touching is, your shit. You are staying at home saying you're doing your part, but you're making other people go get your shit for yeah. you. It's the same as you being out. Yeah. It's the same thing. So shut your fucking mouth. Yeah, I've been going uh, everywhere. I've been going. I, I I'm done. Maybe you don't own a sign. A little worked up too. Yeah, you are. I'm not wearing <laughs> the mask wherever I go. Um, and a lot of places, to their credit, are not. They're tell. I think they're telling their employees if somebody comes with a mask, leave them alone. And I think that's great. Um, and they are they are risking uh, Keith Ellison's fury by doing that too. But. Um, uh, I've been to Lunds and Byerly's. I've been to Target. I went into a, a Cub without a mask. I was the only person not wearing a mask. And there was a police officer in there wearing a mask. And I walked right by him to the self-checkout. He didn't say a damn thing to me. Because he doesn't want to deal with it. No. If they don't care. Yeah. If they're good police officers. If it's an officer that just looks for trouble or, or is not a bad, not a good officer, a good, a good officer will be like, eh. Who cares? Nobody's bothered by this. Let him go. If it's a bad a cop who has a power trip, he'll come up to you and fuck with you. Yeah. And that's the thing. There are bad cops that will fuck with you because they have a power trip or they'll try to enforce an un, um, unconstitutional law. And and you shouldn't be like, uh, back the blue regardless, no matter what. No, I back the blue unless they are not uh, worth backing. Not worth backing. Yeah. Um. And so also I went to – the latest incident I went to was uh, I went with my brother, my nephew, and a friend of ours. We had been working and we decided we we're going to go have a burger at a small pub bar. We walked in. We'd been there before during the mask, mask mandate and had no issues. This time we walked in. We went and we sat at a table away from everybody else over in the corner. And uh, my nephew is 11 years old. Um. The waitress comes up to us and goes, uh, do you have masks? And we go, no. She goes, do you want to buy some masks? And we go, no. She goes, uh, did you see the sign in the door? You have to wear masks in here. And we're like, uh, yeah, we saw the sign. <laughs> she goes, uh, uh, you have to put on a mask on. I go, yeah, I got, I said, yeah, but we're just going to, we're going to have a drink and a, a beer and a burger and we're not going to wear the masks while we're in the beer and the burger. So why don't you just take our order? And she goes, well, you got to have masks. And I go, I'm exempt. She goes, what does that mean? I go, medically exempt. And she gives this look like, what the fuck? She goes, <sighs> and she turns around and walks away. She and didn't she, take your orders. No, she came back. And she goes, 
What can I get you? <laughs> yeah, because she went in the back and somebody went, don't fucking do Just it. let them have their fucking beer and burger. We need the money. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. You know, we're, we're not going to have time to get to the DNC, but yeah. this did remind me of one thing. It was Whitney Cummings who was on the Joe Rogan podcast. Okay. So, again, Rogan thinks of himself as a lefty. The only thing he says he's right on is uh, gun control. Although he's starting to mention that taxation is one. Nice. Good. Yeah. Um, and which are my two of my main things for being on the right too. So Joe, come on over. Uh, You're it's totally nice red pilled at that point. Yeah, and he said he was talking about how Garcetti, Mayor Garcetti of Los Angeles, shut off the power <laughs> and utilities yeah. of houses that were having parties that were too. One house specifically that they were having two YouTubers. Other people over. Yeah, they were having uh, TikTok. They were parties. flaunting, yeah. flaunting the. So they shut their power yeah. off. Yeah, and Rogan said in, and in a had, heat in a heat wave. I had never thought of it this way. Rogan goes. Why is it that somebody thinks because they won a popularity contest, they now have the right to wave this power over yeah. someone? He goes, who says you can shut off somebody's power? Yeah. He goes, where's the law that says that? There isn't one. They're just making them up. Yeah. And somebody has got to be made to pay for this stuff. You know? And what, are, you, are you calling for political assassinations? Uh, what does uh, uh, Jefferson say about the, <laughs> the tree of liberty? Tree of liberty. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up. Tree of liberty. Yeah. Just type it into Google. And again, he also mentions in the Federalist Papers that he's not talking literally all the time. Yeah. But I we're reaching a point here, and you can sort of just feel the heat being cranked up on it. Yeah. Where some of these politicians are going to wind up getting pulled from their houses on this stuff. Yeah. You've got people on the left who've always been doing this cancel culture stuff. They've always done it. And now the right is starting to go, fuck it. I'm not bringing a knife to a gunfight anymore. Okay? Not that the liberals would bring guns to the fight anyway. But anyway, um, you're you're starting to – it happened with the Goodyear thing. You see Goodyear's yeah. deal? So Goodyear said uh, you can wear a Black Lives yeah, Matter. Yeah, super woke. You can move black – uh, it was an internal thing, and there's audio from it. Yeah, now. you can you can wear Black Lives Matter, but you can't because wear that's Blue Lives not a Matter. political statement. Yeah, that's a that's a humanitarian statement. But Fuck you, you. You can't wear Blue yeah. Lives, and you can't wear MAGA hats. Well, this memo gets out, the the audio gets out, and now people are boycotting Goodyear. Trump flat out said it, and people are like, "He shouldn't be doing that." Why not? Well, I agree that maybe the president shouldn't be doing it. But Obama had opinions on a ton of shit. He should have shut his mouth on. Absolutely. Um, so he, there's a precedent for yeah. all this. Yeah. So Trump's out there running his mouth about this. Fine. And now Goodyear is panicking because their stock is dropping, and you know people are going, "Wait a second, we didn't say it. That was just this one, one Goodyear outlet." And it's like, I'm sorry. You so, signed off on it. So I don't think it's going to be long before you start seeing people on the right, these bikers for Trump, and people showing up at. Liberal politicians' homes. Yeah. And, and then what? Also, I think... Because the cops are not going to back those people. They're I think there's a lot of people the on the left, like not leftists, but on the left of center that are fed up with leftist bullshit. And I think the silent majority is just doesn't isn't just um, conservatives. I think the silent majority is just people that are even like left, slightly left of center. They're going, no, 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 no. Fuck this. You know who tried to be one of them? One of those people on the left who went, who that, you know, who tried to? Joe Biden. Joe Biden has always tried to be like, no, no, no. But he can't now because no. he's running and he needs the leftist. So he has turned and embraced all that stuff. Two years ago, he was, I'm the moderate guy. You know, hey, we'll work together kind of thing. He's not that guy anymore. Yeah. He tried to he can't be. be. No, they, won't allow, they won't allow him to be. I know, but he tried to be and they won't. So he just turned, instead of 
doing what he should have done and gone, guys, I can't do this. Look, if if Trump doesn't win in a landslide, it, if God forbid, if he loses, this doesn't mean that the country has gone woke. It means that fraud has has gotten to the point where it's like just ubiquitous and it it works. I don't know. Even if there's no fraud and Biden wins, I think we're going to have, hey, nationwide mask mandate and stuff like that. And then people are just going to finally be like, I fucking had it. Yeah. No, I'm not doing it. Well, fuck them. Like my grandma says, fuck them. Fuck them all. If you want to get in contact with us, it's rooster at breadandcircusespodcast.com or crow at breadandcircusespodcast.com. If you want to talk to Crow about his grandma, you can do that too. But uh, look us up on the Facebook page, uh, Bread and Circuses Podcast. Like, comment, share, give us topic ideas, all that stuff. See you, bye.